Hey everybody, welcome back to Friday Live. Uh, it's just me today, sorry about that, uh, but Tim had to work today and couldn't be here. Sean's out working today. He can't be here all alone, I am, said Yoda. But uh, today's going to be, I want to talk about, uh, which is for me is an interesting topic. It, it, it ties into almost everything we do at the ministry about teaching and, and things, the responsibility of the believer to learn and and what to do with what we learn um hey allison nice to have you uh, you'll notice a couple of things before we get started um uh as we're going to talk about some some tension between uh who should teach who should not teach and what our responsibility is and so i'll tell you what we'll just dig into that when we come back and i'll tell you what else i need to tell you after we get back So if you're watching and even if even if you're you're seeing this and it's not during the live time, if you're picking this up later on YouTube or even on Facebook or whatever, um, make a comment. Uh, let us know you're here, even if it's just to say hello and that I'm watching. It really helps us with our Facebook goofiness. Um, but also share the podcast, uh, share the Facebook post on your social media. Um, just help us get you know, to broaden our base and, and things. Hey, Tanya, nice to see you here too. Um, again, please comment, like, subscribe, all that stuff. But in addition to that, share the, share the, uh, share the post um, so, that, so that your friends and stuff on Facebook that we don't have um, can see it. But as, as promised, we were wanting to walk through Second Peter. We kind of jumped over into chapter two a couple weeks ago um last week we backed up into chapter one and and today i want to i want to talk about some tension I, again i'm running the stream today too so if you see my focus kind of go away for a minute um it's just because i've got to also uh run the stream and and make sure that we're all good to go but in second peter chapter one we we talked about it last week about supplementing your faith and it, and it goes through several things and i'll just read it real quick um it says for this very reason make every effort uh, again i'm in second peter one chapter or chapter one verse five supplement your faith with goodness which can be translated moral excellence but i want you to notice a pattern in the scripture here my nose is itching um is there's an implied supplement. So you could read it like this, supplement your faith with goodness and supplement your goodness with knowledge, supplement your knowledge with self-control. So they're, they're additive and it says supplement this thing with that thing and then supplement that second one with the third one and the third one with the fourth one. So they do build on each other to, to build this package of what it looks like um, for a believer to, to just walk through this life. Um, and it's it's there's some fallacies that get made in this passage i want to address and and i want to to show and we're going to kind of use this and move on to some other stuff but he says that to to do your goodness with knowledge knowledge with self control and it, and it goes through the list but verse 8 says for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they'll keep you from being useless hey jeff uh you guys comment again for us out there comment and share the podcast if you would uh, nice to have y'all with us but it says if you have these things 
in increasing measure. Now, I think it's interesting to note that these things, goodness, which moral excellence, you know, knowledge, I can't read without my glasses, knowledge and self-control, endurance, um, good godliness, brotherly affection and brotherly affection then with love, not just love for each other, but uh, uh, I mean, like, but for, for love for the brethren. And then it also says, you know, you need to have love for, for people. I mean, just anything that you do should be saturated with and, and, and bathed in, in love for people. And he, but then he says, you need to have these things in increasing measure. And there's an implication there that it, not only does it take work, but we can't just, well, I'm, in, I'm saved, I'm in, that's all that matters. I'm done. We would call this discipleship or whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's spiritual formation and it's growing to maturity. We're going to look at some other verses that talk about that. But he's like, as you walk with Christ, as you walk in the Lord, he's like, there, there are, there's work that we've got to do. I think sometimes Christians just flat get lazy to be, to be honest and out. We just get lazy about our faith. We get lazy about study. We get lazy about gathering together. We get lazy about evangelism. We we just kind of think, well, I'm in. I'm going to hang on to this rope as long as I can, hope for the rapture to come and take me out. And I really think that that's missing a great deal of the reason that God saved us in the first place, to be salt and to be light in this world. And, and so he says, because if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, look what it says. They will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So apparently, it's possible to be useless and fruitless in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I say it a different way? Hi, Sherry. Good to have you. Heather, nice to have you. You guys, again, please like, subscribe, share, do all of the Facebook goofiness and help us out. Nice to have you all with us. My nose is itching off my face today. But... The mere fact that this text says, if you'll do these things and have these things in increasing measure, it'll keep you from being fruitless and useless, uh, or unfruitful and useless. It indicates and implies that the opposite of that, of that is possible. You can be in, you can be saved, and just be useless. Um, not advancing the kingdom, not growing in your own maturity, um, and that's not to say that everybody's gifted to be an evangelist or everybody's gifted to be this. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it is to say that every believer has a responsibility. Uh, I believe a moral responsibility by to be obedient to the scriptures, which tell us supplement your faith. I know that the the reform and I and I, I have very reformed leanings, but you know the they say, oh sola scriptura, sola fide, sola fide. According to Second Peter. Now let me let me back up. They're speaking salvifically, meaning talking about salvation. But there is a whole host of cultural Christianity out there that says all you got to do is have faith. But Second Peter chapter one really kind of just flies in the face of that. He says, "I want you to supplement your faith." So, in addition to your faith in who God is, your faith in who God is, who Jesus is, and what He did has implications in how we live. If we don't really believe what we say we believe, then it won't impact our, our life. But if we do, this text is telling us that not only will it, but that it should. And, and it's, it's diligence. It takes work. I've heard parents and families over the years of being a, a pastor for you know over 25, 26 years. And 
had people say, well, I, I just don't know much about the Bible. I don't know this. I don't know that. I can't teach my children. I can't do. I think that's a cop out and an excuse, and it's inappropriate. If you don't know something, find someone who does and ask them. Ask for someone to be, you know, who is more mature in the faith than you are to work with you. You know, we, we like these accountability partners, and that's good and fine. But when you've got people that are on the same maturity level together, it has benefit, but I don't doesn't always give you mature benefit and maturity. Um, sometimes you need to sit and meet with someone or have someone teach you. And we do that on Sundays. That's our pastor, our elders or whatever. But I guess my question to you, do you really think that 30 to 40 minutes on a Sunday once a week is enough? I don't believe that this text would agree with that. It says you need to add to your faith these things and because you don't want to be useless and you don't want to be unfruitful. But then he says the person, verse 9, who lacks these things, let's flip this coin over, is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. And so this is not talking about someone, well, if you don't do these things, you can't be saved. That's not what he's getting at. He's saying if you're saved, if you, you do believe, but you're not diligent in your faith to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to grow in maturity. And we're going to turn to Hebrews in a minute and talk a little bit more about that. But he says, what's really happening is you've forgotten what God did for you. Is that we have just completely checked out on what it was that God did, bringing us from death to life, the cleansing of our sins. Because when we keep that in the forefront of our minds of what God's done for us through the cross and through salvation, through our faith, through the resurrection, it does bring change in us. And that change in us brings us to a place to remember and want to work diligently to add to our faith goodness, to add to our goodness knowledge and so forth and so on in this text. But he says, if you're not doing it, if you're not increasing and you lack these things, he says, you've just forgotten what God's done for you. And so I would encourage you, if you look at this list and you're like, oh man, I'm not, I'm struggling with moral excellence, or maybe you're good there, but I, I just don't have any knowledge. I don't have any desire for knowledge. Um, Jeff Corey says, yeah, grow, grow with one another and not separate or try. You know, there's, there's, that's a good point, Jeff. There is value, great value in studying the word, having your quiet time and, and, and digging in. But I can't tell you the exponential return that comes when I sit down with Tim or or some of my other brothers and sisters and we study together, especially someone who's walked a trail you know, before me, someone who's older in the faith, more mature in the faith. They've seen more things. They've got more wisdom and can give insight. And, and it just helps us to grow. And I believe this text is telling us it's incumbent on us to take the faith that God gave us, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, that brought us into salvation and to supplement, to build on it, to be diligent, to work towards maturing. As he goes on, look at verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, he says, because you always have to ask what the therefore is therefore. I know it's cheesy, but it's true. But he says, okay, so God's given us these promises. He's given us everything according to the first part of the, the chapter for godliness and for living. And he's, he says, I want you to add to your faith these things, to be diligent, to work at it. Don't be fruitless. He says, I, you need to do all these things. Don't forget what God did for you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Okay, 
there's a lot of discussion. I'm going to get a sip of coffee. And, and, and controversy, and I'm not going to settle it today. That's not the point about whether, because what it appears for him to be saying is if you do these things, you'll never sin. That's what some people would claim. And I don't believe that that's true. I'll show you some a passage of Scripture in just a minute where I think would negate that idea. But what it does do is it keeps us in the right direction. And, and that idea of stumbling is tripping over things. Um, as a young believer, I can't tell you how many times that, that I, I, I stumbled over things, even things that I thought I knew. You know, there's an old saying that said, it's not what you don't know that gets you. It's what you think you know that ain't so. And, uh, you know, you, you preach and you teach and you kind of move into these, whatever your tradition you grew up in, that's kind of where you start. But I found that there were some of those things that were just tripping me up. They just weren't true. They weren't accurate um, exegesis of the scriptures. They weren't accurate applications of the, the oracles of God, and, and they stumbled us. And so how do you combat that? Well, you look at the culture around us, and it's stumbling everywhere. I mean, gender politics is a big deal right now, and how do we stay out of that fray? Well, we, we give moral excellence, and we try to stay on that path, and how, which path is the correct path? Well, you need knowledge for that, and so you study the Word of God, and when you find things you don't understand, if you don't have the skills, you contact somebody like the Crucible Fire and say, hey, do you guys have a study uh, training? Oh, yes, we do. I know that's a shameless plug, but it's out there. You download the Blue Letter Bible. You read commentaries. You just do what you have to do. You contact your elders. You contact your pastor and say, I have a passage I need help with. You seek and diligently give this knowledge. And then, of course, you add the list. And there's self-control and endurance. You just have to stay in the fight um, to continue to traverse this culture that we live in that is just frankly, just jacked up. I mean, there's stuff in our world that is just really, really messed up. How do you keep from stumbling on those things? But I want to flip it and say, there's plenty of stumbling to be done within the church, even in our own Christian walk and false doctrines and exaltation of man-made things within the church with religion and tradition over truth. How do you keep from stumbling? You pursue goodness, moral excellence. You pursue knowledge. You have self-control and self-denial. You do these things actively seeking out to mature in the things of God. Look what it continues to say, verse 11. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Now, this is another controversial passage. There are those that would take that passage and say, ah, see, look, you have to do these things to enter the kingdom of God, meaning you have to do all of these things. Faith plus all of these things brings you into salvation. There's only one problem with that, and that's the rest of Scripture. Uh, you could go into Romans it's several places, Romans 8. You can go into Romans 3, you just Romans 9. Uh, I, I could go on. Um, but that would just deny that. And so when the scriptures aren't matching up, then we have to say, okay, which one am I getting incorrect here? Well, part of that relies, and I'm not going to do a big exegesis on this today. Maybe we will in the future, on what it means to be brought into the eternal kingdom of God. And what, what is this? We talk about the kingdom all the time. And in very short, oh, this is the probably the worst truncated definition of the kingdom of God ever, but we'll explore it more later. It's just, David talks about it at church all the time, Pastor David, about it being the kingdom authority rule of God. It's bringing this flesh that we still live in, 
Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, in uh, I believe it was the screw tape letters, the demons referred to as a sludge bags. And I mean, we're just, we're still in these fleshly earthen vessels and we do have to navigate, we have to bring those, these, our flesh, our desires, James chapter one, under the authority rule of Jesus. And I like the way this says, if you'll do these things, add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love. If you'll just pursue those things, it keeps you from getting jacked up. It keeps you from stumbling. And it says that the entrance into the kingdom or the submission to the authority rule of Jesus will be richly provided to you. It's not even about you doing it. It's, it's the pursuit of these things brings you to a place that we talk about all the time of staring into the face of God, learning who he is, and by doing that, we begin to learn more of him to be transformed into the image of the Son, and then that authority rule of Jesus over our lives is, is it says it's richly provided for us. It's given to us, and that is the path. I want, to be, I want to come under the authority rule of Jesus, and maybe I'm just struggling doing that. How do I pursue this kingdom authority in my life? Well, you supplement your faith with goodness and your goodness with knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He says, I'm, I'm going to literally lay this out for you in how you bring your flesh and you bring yourself under that rule. And so kind of wanted to, I wanted to say that, and then I want to jump to something, kind of, it's, it's, it's related. Our, our catchphrase is learn, teach, repeat. Um, learn all you can, teach it to people, and then you repeat that process. You know, Matthew 28, we make disciples until Jesus comes. Well, you can't teach someone. You know, if you go to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, you, you have to learn something, and then it says go and, and teach them all that I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Matthew, uh, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. You know, Paul tells Timothy, take what you've learned from me and commit it to faithful men so they can teach others also. One of the criticisms that we've heard in our ministry has been, well, not everybody's supposed to be a teacher. Now, I'll, I want to I wanna show you where they get that. Um, if you're in a Bible and you got one, if you're not, I'll just read it to you. Um, in James chapter 1, um, and it's a very good verse. Um, is it James chapter 1 that says, no, it's James chapter 3. He says, not many of you, chapter 3, verse 1, not many of you, or not many, should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, and then he goes on this, this dissertation about controlling the tongue, and the reason that it's important that not everybody teach, because the teaching of the word is, is critical now in that context um he he's speaking more of the so we're looking for of the formal there is a formal office of teaching there's a gift ephesians chapter 4 to the church of teacher um not everybody is gifted by the holy spirit to teach the word of god um not that you can't extol it not that you can't explain it um but for some people it's not a gift that comes naturally then there are those people that it is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and they are a gift to the church that, man, they can just take uh, a passage of Scripture and make it come alive and take something very complex and make it understandable. I, I envy those people. I've always wanted to be like that um, because there's a desire in my heart to be a teacher. 
But then there's the flip side of that, and that, that there is also an expectation of every Christian at some level and, and certain influences that you, you may or may not have to teach the word. And, I, and I'll show you where we get that over in Hebrews chapter 5. Now, in Hebrews 5 and verse 8, well, it's talking about, in, in this passage, it's talking about Jesus being a priest by the order of Melchizedek, and, and there's all that. We've talked about that before. I'm not going to rehash it, but in verse 8, it says, Although he was the Son, capital S, meaning the Son of God, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And after he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. There's a concept in there that even the God-man, the, the, the human side of him, had to be, I, I won't want to use the word tamed as in he was wild and unruly, but he was still 100% man, tempted just like we are, the Bible says. And so the obedience, according to the text, now somebody says, well, I, I just don't know how to reconcile that. Well, we have to because it's in the text. They say, oh, Jesus never had, Jesus knew everything. Well, according to Hebrews 5, 8, he had to learn obedience and he did it through that which he suffered. And so you have to wrestle with that truth and there's tension. It's one of the things I wanted to bring out today. So in James chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, it says, not many of you should be teachers. But look what it's going to say here. And Oh, let's jump down into verse 12 in Hebrews 5. He's, he's talking about Jesus and the order of Melchizedek and in his priesthood. Look, in verse 11, he says, I have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain. Now, why was he having difficulty explaining this? Again, uh, to the, the, the Hebrew writer was writing to Hebrews, to Jewish people, Jewish believers who knew the history, they understood the, the Hebraic law, they understood the mess messianic messages. Why is it difficult? Since you have become too lazy to understand. Now remember when we were in Second Peter, we were talking about uh, the idea that I, I think sometimes we just get lazy. We think that all we have to do, I just want to believe and I'm good. I want to jump in to salvation and ride the coat roller coaster you know of this world until jesus sucks us out of here like some cosmic vacuum cleaner but that's not what he what he's done for us he said you're going to be salt and light you get out you train you make disciples you baptize there's work to be done not just waiting to be rescued he didn't just save us from death and hell he saved us to the advancement of the kingdom but he says i've got some complicated things i want to teach you here but I can't teach you because you've become lazy. Then he says in verse 12, although by this time you ought to be teachers, he says you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk and not solid food. There's a pretty heavy chastisement right here on the Hebrew people, the Hebrew Christians, from the writer who says, you know what? You ought to be at a place in your faith we would say it like this. You've been saved long enough. You ought to be able to teach this stuff, but you can't because you've been lazy in your understanding. I can't even explain this to you, much less could you teach it because you don't understand it because you go back to Peter. You haven't supplemented your faith with goodness, with knowledge, with diligence. You know, the, the scriptures, the old King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Well, study doesn't just mean go out and get a bunch of books and read them. What that root word really means is be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, which means it takes work in the word 
through the Spirit, John 16, that will lead us into all truth and allowing Him to do so. And uh, uh, He says, I, I want to, te to tell you all these things, but what I wanted to cue in on is the, the difference and the tension between James chapter 3 saying, not many of you should become teachers, and the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 5 saying, you ought by this point to be teachers. And there is some divine tension in there, but I want to make the distinction. There is a gift, and I would even say an office, the pastoral teaching, front of the room kind of thing, elder, uh, leader, overseer, presbyteros, and the episcopos, the bishop, teacher role within a church. We would call them the pastor. And yes, they have a, a, a formal role of teaching. And he's saying, not many of you should be that guy because there's a extra level of judgment that goes on that. I, I want to tell you, when we get on this podcast and we're opening the Word of God and teaching it, it is literally with fear and trembling because I know, and that's why we want to get it right and we study and we dig because there is an extra level of judgment that's going to come from us for, or for us when we stand before the Lord and He's like, you taught my Word. You were a teacher in a formal sense. But in Hebrews, we have a more... A generic application of the idea he's like listen as you mature you ought to be able to hand these things off matthew 28 to new disciples second timothy 2 2 though it was written to timothy who was yes a pastor but the concept is still there i believe it's in psalm 78 i wrote a note here i think it's in verse 5 that you know it talks about the fathers teaching their children and so in, in, in a very basic sense, if you've got a family, father, mother, especially if you're in a family, mom, where there's not a dad, um, you have some responsibility to grow, to mature, to be diligent and teach your children. Um, I would even take it a step further. The Bible says that, you know, that people are blessed in him who wins souls and they're wise to do so. And so we have all of these um, admonitions to share our faith to make disciples. And it's not just about evangelism and sharing the gospel. That's a part of it. But Matthew 28 says we've got to be making disciples. Um, I, I quote it all the time. If you've never watched it, you need to go watch Sheep Among Wolves. It's a documentary um, put out by FAI. And it, it talks about the church in Iran. It's long. There's two parts and they're each like two hours, but it's worth your time. Split it up if you need to. But one of the underground church Iranian pastors makes a statement that just hit me between the eyes. I've, I've heard it a couple of years ago, and, I, and I, I talk about it a lot. And he said there's a contrast between Western, I would say American Christianity, and what they're experiencing is that in the West, in America, um, we tend to want to make converts and then hope that they'll be discipled, even if we're making efforts in that way. But he says over there, they make disciples so that they may be converted. They put the training in front and let the Holy Spirit take care of the conversion. And man, that hit me because we want to all excuse ourselves. Well, I'm not a teacher. I'm not gifted for it. You know what? You may not ever be standing on the pulpit, standing in front on a stage in front of a group of people, maybe. But you might be called to lead a small group. You might be called... Uh, uh, connection is wonky. I'm not surprised, Bruce. It's all I can do. Um, uh you might be called to do a, a, a small group. You might be called to uh, maybe just evangelize somebody. Maybe as you get older or more mature in the faith, a younger Christian will come up and say, hey, I'm struggling here. Can you meet with me and disciple me? 
Well, now you're in a teaching role. You might not have a, a title. You might not be at the front of the room, but you are in a place of a disciple maker and you have someone that's being discipled by you. And so you need to be diligent. At the same time, I would caution you with James chapter three and, and understand as you get into that role, you do it with fear and trembling and you approach the Lord with humility and say, oh, Father, I'm handling your word and your oracles and I'm teaching. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, Bruce says it's his connection, not mine. Um, I think I've heard this before. Yeah, you've heard it a couple of times. But I, I, I really, it was just on my mind today as we're getting into to 2 Peter chapter 5 or chapter 2 or chapter 1 in 2 Peter that um, I don't like people in the church, it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies, excusing ourselves from performing the commission and obeying the commands that God gave all of us simply because, well, I'm not the guy at the front of the stage or I'm not an elder, I'm not of this. That's maybe true. Well, that means you're not carrying that mantle. But it doesn't mean that we're excused from learning all we can so that we can teach our children, our progeny, our co-workers, our small group. Um, I've been in small groups before where a question was brought up and nobody had the answer. I was not in a pastoral role, was not in an elder role, was not official, and found myself in need because I had I did know what the scripture said about it, of of explaining that in a group. And in that moment, we're teaching people something about the, the Bible. It's not formal, but I wouldn't tell you that probably the majority of what we're discipled by is informally. There's an old saying that says we're being discipled by something. We're being discipled by everything. We're being discipled by culture. We're being discipled by TV. We're being discipled by movies. And what that means is, is we're being disciplined to think a certain way. And I'm just telling you that sitting across the coffee table from somebody who is not as mature as you are in the faith, you're now in a position to teach them. And my question to you is, is how can you teach them what you do not know? And so it's incumbent on all of us to do what Second Peter tells us in chapter 1, which is to be diligent. Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, be diligent. Supplement your faith with moral excellence, with goodness, with knowledge, with digging in, so that we can be useful, not useless. We can be fruitful, not fruitless in the kingdom of God. I wanted to jump in and just tell all of you today, that, that's what I, what I want you to walk away from today is one thing, is that you don't have to be the guy at the front of the room, the pastor of the church, to be called upon to be able to need to be able to handle the sword and teach the word. In fact, every Christian believer, I believe, according to the text, is called upon to learn all we can and to teach those with whom we have influence and at every chance that we get. It may not be formal. Bruce says, our or is more mature, needed Timothy and a Paul. That's exactly right. And, and I want to go off what Bruce says. I think everybody needs a, a Paul. I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. I, I, I have people that are much more mature than me in the faith that I bounce stuff off all the time. They've got wisdom. They've got life experience, experience that, in application. And it's extremely valuable to have somebody and, and not just, that, oh, maybe they're academically more uh, educated than you. That's not what I mean. I mean they're more mature in the faith because I need someone all the time, constantly, 
challenging me spiritually. Um, and and there's, there's guys that jump on here from time to time that we don't agree on everything, but it is invaluable to me when they be like, hey, man, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. Let's dig into the scriptures together. Or maybe even more so when they say, dude, I don't know what you're doing lately, but your attitude's funky or you've been harsh or you've been that, you know, and challenge me on my behavior because I need to be supplementing my faith with goodness and moral excellence. And if one of my more mature or even equally mature brothers or sisters sees that go wonky, then they need to come in and, and help me. Uh, to see that and and that's part of the maturing process and don't don't shy away from it welcome it that's part of this diligence the reason we do what we do here at this ministry is because i believe that every believer let me preface this with if you can read and even if you can't read there's stuff on audio that we can give you but everybody who can handle a little bit of the english language you got a smartphone in your pocket with all of the commentary and stuff. We believe that anybody, even kids, can be taught to study and according to uh, Timothy, to rightly divide orthotomeo, to rightly cut and divide the word of truth and to learn from it and teach it and then repeat that process till Jesus comes. We believe that at the core of who we are and our, our being. So my encouragement to you is this, don't shy away from your responsibility, and I believe your scriptural moral obligation to learn all that you can, not just for your own edification and transformation, because that's the major thing, that's the primary thing. You and I need to be transformed into the image of Christ. But secondarily, the commission tells us, Matthew 28, 2 Timothy 2, 2, that we take what we learn and we make disciples. That's our commission. And we cannot teach and we cannot impart what we do not have and what we do not know. And so it's incumbent on us to continually drive into the Word, letting the Holy Spirit, John 16, speak into us and lead us into all truth. Challenge your assumptions. Challenge what you think you know. Let the Word and the Spirit change and mold what you are, what you believe, and what you do as you go out and teach disciples. I'm glad y'all joined us today. I appreciate, hey, Victor, Victor Cantharaj. I haven't seen that name in a long time. I'm glad you joined us today, Vic. But uh, guys, if you feel led of the Holy Spirit, we'd love for you to, to partner with us uh, and, and head out to the, the cruciblesfire.org forward slash donate. Um, we constantly need you know monthly partners that would partner with us, even at $5 a month to help us. We've got a lot of things cooking right now. We're developing both an English and a Spanish version of an app that will have our Bible study training on it um, for iPhone and Android. That's in the works right now. Um, still have some finances uh, for that. We just got back from Brownsville training an entire church plant. There was about 15 or 20 there that we did that with. We're looking at going back to Brownsville in the fall to train 15 church planters who have churches both on this side of the border and over in Mexico in the Matamoros, Reynosa area. Um, I, know, I know you love me, Bruce. I love you too. And uh, so we're going back. If you if you could prayerfully consider that, I appreciate it. Share this podcast. Share the, the Facebook post with your friend list and help us get out there. Like, comment, do all the things um, that you know helps us. We appreciate it. Um, and, and just be looking for the app to come out soon. We're talking about having a How to Study the Bible course here locally sometime over this summer. We're working on that, putting that together. So watch the Facebook page, go out to our page, hit like. Um, we have, just have a button out there. 
but uh, go to the Facebook page, you know, like our page so you can get the news and stuff like that. We also have a community group on Facebook. If you'd like to be a part of that, um, just go on there and give me a comment and I'll send you a link where you can get in on that. That's where we send these podcasts to as well. Um, just lots of stuff going on. We're just, we're actually busier than we need to be in terms of work and all that kind of stuff, but God's just rolling us forward. So I appreciate you. Thanks for coming and joining us. If you're not a video person um, and you catch a little bit of this, we are on Spotify as well. Ooh, I got a little link for that. Um, we're on Spotify. It's called Embers and Sparks, and you can listen to it driving down the road. Give us a couple of days, and this one will be out there as well. We appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for joining us.